keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on this Tuesday, October the 11th, 2022. On the feast of St. John the 23rd. Interesting. Praise be to God. Hey, uh, an abortion doctor converts. There's a brand new book out called Two Patients by Dr. John Wachalski. He's going to be joining us at 35 past the hour to give us a perspective on the pro-life issue, the pro-life cause from an abortion doctor's perspective. So stick around for that if you can. Hey, PayPal, I mean, they are dropping like a rock. Down $6 billion. Delete PayPal searches soar 1,300% after yesterday's news that they uh, they thought about, contemplated, mistakenly included, finding their users for misinformation, especially when it comes to gender issues and homosexuality. Well, we've invited Alex Newman from the Liberty Sentinel on to talk about that. His organization was hit through PayPal, and we're going to get his his take on that at 15 past the hour. Attorney Brent Haynes joins us at the top of the next hour. Talk about that with Brent Haynes at the top of the next hour, if you can join us. A residence in the great city of Oakland. This is for you, Rudy. Uh, residents in the great city of Oakland are somehow, strangely enough, outraged uh, because Gavin Newsom signed a new bill decriminalizing loitering for prostitution. Apparently, the residents don't like it when prostitutes loiter during the middle of the day <laughs> I don't, who saw that coming i don't know hey new zealand oh this is good news new zealand you're always complaining about the bad news well uh, good what news today <clears throat> nothing but good news today new zealand unveils a plan to tax flatulating cows you know cow farts that emit methane into the environment oh, well they're going to solve that problem through taxing their farmers so hmm. there you go and today is the deadline by the way for public comments on a proposed new rule that would allow the federal government to provide and pay for abortions through the Veterans Administration. If you would like to make your comments heard, you can do so through CatholicVote.org, by the way. Good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning, Joe. Yeah, that was really important. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thanks be to God. We have to pray for that particular intention that, uh, you know, the government doesn't find other ways, other means Mm -hmm. to uh, to provide uh, Mm -hmm. abortion to to people through uh, our tax dollars. Amen. Really outrageous. Amen. And if they're going to start taxing uh, cows that fart, will will animal like dog pet dogs, cats be next? Hamsters, gerbils? Uh, <laughs> would the uh, they claim that the uh, goldfish, the flatulence of the cows, mm-hmm. is causing uh, mm-hmm. some sort of climate change or some, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, mm-hmm. I don't believe it. Just eat the bugs and just be done with it. Yeah. Don't eat. Don't eat meat. Yeah. Uh, Eat soy and seed oils and uh, what else? What else? Uh, Speaking of soy, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. That sounds disgusting. <laughs> soy. No, thank you. You love well, soy. What are you talking about? Despite the fact that Joe is uh, trying to get me to eat soy, it is still going to be here. Praise <laughs> be to God. In spite of it all. You know, I just remembered that this weekend mm-hmm. at, in Dallas, Texas, they're having the... Um, Blessed Carl of Austria symposium. That's right. Mm. And so I was like, oh, I wonder if they still have tickets. So I might, maybe I'll um, go buy some tickets and 
drive down there. Mm-hmm. I think our That'd friend Charles Colon was going to be there. <laughs> oh, nice. Our there as well, but by the way, Bishop, oh, Bishop Athanasius Snyder will be there. The yeah. uh, princess, um, I'm forgetting her name uh, at the moment. Pox and Turin. That's uh, the one. Her princess Maria Anne Habsburg Galizine. Wow. Different princess. Oh, never mind. Yeah. yeah. She's going to be there, and uh, some other people. The uh, the Archduke Edward von Habsburg will be there as well. How about Mr. Edward so, Habsburg? Many people will be there, so I'm very excited. Cool. So I'll yeah. be. Uh, Are you going? I'm going to try to. I just remembered it right now, so I'm going to see if they have tickets. And if right. they do, then I'm going to plan on driving out there. All right. There Pretty you cool. go. Praise be to God. Let's uh, pray. We have a lot to get to today. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Tuesday, October 11th. And here are your headlines this morning. Grand News reports, Russia launches biggest airstrikes since start of Ukraine war. Russia retaliated Monday for an attack on a critical bridge by unleashing its most widespread strikes against Ukraine in months. A lethal barrage that smashed civilian targets, knocked out power and water, shattered buildings, and killed at least 14 people. Ukraine's emergency service said nearly 100 people were wounded in the morning rush hour attacks that Russia launched from the air, the sea, and land against 14 uh, against at least 14 regions spanning from Lviv in the west to Kharkiv in the east. The Daily Caller reports major rail union rejects Biden-backed deal, reigniting strike fears. A strike could have disastrous consequences for the U.S. economy which relies on railways to ship key products such as oil, coal, and chemicals used in fertilizers, leading to disruptions that could cause $2 billion worth of economic damages per day, according to the Association of Railroad American Railroads. Nearly 40% of all long-distance trade in the U.S. occurs on rail, and replacing them with trucks would require a fleet of nearly half a million trucks, a logistical impossibility, according to the American Trucking Association. Breitbart reports Demon says U.S. likely to have a recession in six to nine months. He says, quote, you see it today in bond markets around the world, in sovereign markets, and people selling you a treasury debt, and it's the war. These are very, very serious things, which I think are likely to push the U.S. and the world. I mean, Europe is already in a recession. And then they're likely to put the U.S. in some kind of a recession in six to nine months from now, the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase said during an interview in which he outlined the variables he saw contributing to our economic outlook. And CNA reports a million march throughout Mexico for women, life, and peace. It's really painful that they don't consider us pregnant women, and uh, there are those who still confront women and the lives of our children in our womb as enemies, one of the marchers said. At the Angel of Independence in Mexico City, a manifesto was read calling for the following four steps to be taken. Number one, that laws be created in support of women in vulnerable situations addressing the root causes of their problems. Number two, that the life of every human being be protected equally before and after birth without discrimination, nor because of the degree of development, health conditions, for any other reason. And number three, that the public policies be created in support of peace and unity for all, especially within the family. And number four, 
that mutual trust be restored among citizens so that we can live together in peace and harmony without violence. That's something to look forward to. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Blessed James of Ulm. James was born at Ulm, and he was thoroughly instructed both in his father's trade of glass painting and in the practices of piety. He passed a sinless and happy youth in his native city. Wishing to make a pilgrimage to Rome, he asked his father's blessing on the enterprise and set forth on his long journey, arriving in time to spend Lent in the holy city. Having run out of funds, James enlisted with the army in Sicily, where his pious nature received a rude shock from the soldiers with whom he lived. They were given to every manner of vice and resented any effort to change their lives. Disgusted with the corrupt morals and practices around him, James made haste to free himself as soon as his enlisted was up. He went into service with a lawyer who soon entrusted him with his most important affairs and would gladly have adopted him as his own son. Having worked with this man for several years, James became anxious to return home to see his aging father. So he once more set forth on the road. In Bologna, where while he was praying before the tomb of St. Dominic, an interior voice made known to him that his vocation was to be a Dominican. He sought no further and went immediately to the priory to beg admission as a lay brother in the order. James set for himself no extraordinary program of sanctity when he entered the order, but resolved to keep the rule perfectly as when he returned. But God rewarded his obedience with a miracle. The window was more beautiful than he would ever have hoped for. James was silent and recollected at his work, diligent and prayerful and always ready to leave one kind of work for another when obedience called him. His chief distinction was in keeping the rule perfectly, though he also performed a number of miracles. Two windows made by Blessed James are still in existence, one in the chapel one of natural causes and beatified in 1825 by Pope Leo XII. Blessed James of Ulm, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 11 verses 37 through 41. After Jesus had spoken, a Pharisee invited him to dine at his home. He entered and reclined at table to eat. The Pharisee was amazed to see that he did not observe the prescribed washing before the meal. The Lord said to him, O oh, you Pharisees, dish inside you are filled with plunder and evil, you fools. Did not the maker of the outside also make the inside? But as to what is within, give alms, and behold, everything will be clean for you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Hadock's commentary says, There was nothing ordained by the law concerning this washing of the hands which the Pharisees observed before taking meat. In other words, there was the law given by God, and then there was the extra stuff that they came up with along the way, which included a lot more. Well, there was nothing in the law of the Lord that said you had to wash your hands before every single meal. Hadock goes on to say, Christ and his disciples, or Christ and his apostles, washed their hands when they pleased, without looking for any mystery in such things, or making to themselves vain obligations in frivolous and indifferent things. 
They did not neglect what was ordained by the law in certain cases for purification, but besides that, they observed nothing more. Close quote, Hadock's commentary. St. Cyril of Alexandria points out, Now our Lord might also have used other words to admonish the foolish Pharisee, but he seizes the opportunity and framed his reproof from the things that were already before him. At the hour, namely, of meals, he takes for his example the cup and the platter, pointing out that it became the sincere servant of God to be washed and clean, not only from bodily impurity, but also from that which is concealed within the power of the soul, just as any of the vessels which are used for the table ought to be free from all inward defilement. Close quote, St. Cyril of Alexandria. St. Chrysostom points out, He who resolves to have compassion on the needy will sooner cease from sin. For as the physician who is in the habit of healing the diseased is easily grieved by the misfortunes of others, so we, if we have devoted ourselves to the relief of others, shall easily despise the things present and be raised up to heaven. The unction of almsgiving, then, is no slight good, since it is capable of being applied to everyone. Close quote, St. Chrysostom. What's the point here? Well, given how much you love your money, to sacrifice it, to give it up, to be detached from it, to help relieve the needy, well, that's a great thing. But, Haydock's commentary points out that if the murderer just gave money, it would not relieve him of his crime. We must do penance, we must fast, and we must make a good and holy confession as well. Hey, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. What's Concerning Us is coming up next. Some atheistic scientists claim we don't need God to explain the universe because science is sufficient to get the job done. But is this true? The answer is no, and here's the reason. Science could never negate the need for God because it can't give an exhaustive explanation of the universe. First, it relies on the inductive method in order to validate its hypotheses. As such, scientists can never be certain they've discovered every piece of data necessary to give a complete explanation. They must always be open to discovering something new that could alter their current theory. Furthermore, science presupposes an existing universe to observe and explain. Thus, it could never explain why the universe exists in the first place rather than not. Science has explanatory power, but not enough power to negate the need for God. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Hi, this is Sister Didi Byrne. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11.30 a.m. for the march. Everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about the urgent need to be actively pro-life and pro-eternal lives. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and please spread the word. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Dr. John Berchalski is going to be our guest. He has a book out with Ignatius Press called Two Patients. His conversion from abortion to life-affirming medicine. So uh, looking at the pro-life issue from an abortion doctor's perspective, that's coming up at 35 past the hour. Do join us if you can. But uh, there are lots of stories in the news that are a great concern to me 
and I'm sure they are to you as well. This PayPal story is definitely one that uh, hits close to the heart. I use PayPal. I've used it for years, but the time has come, I think. Uh, Like I had to fire the big banks last year, I think it's maybe time to fire PayPal. In fact, they've lost $6 billion worth of worth in just the past 24 hours. And uh, delete PayPal searches on Google are up 1,300%. That's quite a bit. Uh, Joining us right now from Liberty Sentinel is Alex Newman. Good morning to you, Alex. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, praise be to God. Thank you for your time today. Okay, let's start with your history with PayPal, uh, Liberty Sentinel's history with PayPal. Can you give us some background? Yeah, well, appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk about this. Um, about a year ago, I got a note from them by email saying that uh, they were freezing my money, that they were uh, not going to allow me to do business anymore with them, and that uh, this was due to some sort of violation of their terms of use, their terms of service. And so I called them and said, hey, I need my money. And uh, what violation or alleged violation took place here? And somebody in India, I assume, or Pakistan said, uh, oh, yeah, we'll get back to you right away with a reason. Don't worry. And we'll let your money free as soon as we know that you don't owe us anything. Uh, Well, months and months went by, and I tried over and over and over again to get an explanation. Never got one. So the only thing I can figure, uh, they had outlet, uh, they have, for perspective, they have, I think, 1.5 million subscribers in a country of you know less than 40 million. So wow. very significant news operation. They had been canceled by PayPal. I brought them on my program to talk about it, and then right after that is when I got banned myself. So I have to assume that was the cause. So you don't actually know. It was never, ever clarified. Nope. They, they refused to tell me. They did eventually, after a few months, release my money. But... Um, but, you know, it was happening right in in the midst of many other people getting their PayPal accounts canceled for speaking out against uh, the totalitarianism, for uh, expressing opinions that PayPal didn't agree with on homosexuality, on marriage, on gender. Um, I'm sure you remember they had been trying to bully the state of North Carolina not long before that because uh, it was doing its best to protect uh, young girls and, and women from men in the bathroom. So... Um, just very very bizarre that uh, this this company, the board members of this company, who have fiduciary duty to shareholders, would uh, would think it's appropriate to burn down the company and discriminate against people based on their faith, based on their speech, when their job is actually to make money. So, yeah, a trend that uh, seems to be increasing these days. So over the weekend, there was this story that came out that PayPal had changed its user uh, agreement, which included some language about fining its users for misinformation. Can you give us the story there? Yeah, it's really really extraordinary. They actually slipped this into the terms of service uh, uh, very quietly, and somebody finally noticed it. But what they did was they said they were going to fine uh, their users and their account holders $2,500 if they were found to have put out misinformation. And at this point, everybody knows that the misinformation uh, police are basically the biggest purveyors of misinformation. Um, you know, they say it's misinformation to say that uh, men can't get pregnant. They say it's misinformation. Or they said for two years that it was misinformation to say the uh, COVID injection didn't actually protect you from COVID. Now, of course, we know that's all true. Uh, they say it's misinformation to say that the gas we exhale is not causing dangerous toxic pollution that's going to destroy the climate. So uh, basically anything that the, the establishment doesn't want said is considered misinformation. And so PayPal tried to slip this in there. Uh, the backlash, though, was so huge, so extraordinary and so fast that they ended up backing down and kind of 
pretending like they didn't really mean to do it. But, um, you know, considering PayPal's long track record of discriminating against Christians, of uh, mm-hmm. hating its own customers, um, you know, they think we're really stupid to believe something like that. You know what I find fascinating about this? Because I, I looked up several different articles. Of course, uh, Daily Wire was one of the ones that sort of led the way in breaking the news, of course. Uh, there were, I mean, everybody reported on it, but uh, when the fact checkers chimed in, this is what I thought was hilarious. So PayPal basically came out and said, oh, we never intended for that to be a part of the language. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> Silly us. You know, and I'm just like, do they think we're that dumb that they'd sit around and have... Like, who writes draft copies of yes. user agreements and just says, like, fantasy <laughs> fantasy draft copies of user agreements is like like fantasy football <laughs> kind of a thing. Like, this is the most absurd answer that we've – like, why can't they just admit, yes, we really want to do this and we'll just have to wait a couple more months before we get this done? Yeah, it shows you the level of dishonesty that we're dealing with, too. You know, it's one thing to be a PR hack and – uh, try to figure out how best to, to cover for your company. But we need to consider honesty as well. You know, as, as Christians, we recognize that um, telling the truth is important and PayPal should have owned this. But, uh, you know, and it came right on the heels of another scandal. They actually banned the account of uh, the, free, the free speech union in the U.K., uh, major organization. And uh, when all the major newspapers and, and even members of parliament started speaking out and they started threatening regulation, PayPal again said, oh, sorry, we made a mistake. We didn't really mean to ban the free speech advocates. Sorry about that. We reinstated <laughs> their account. But um, yeah, th- this is, I guess, how their PR department works. They uh, they just run around lying after their, their bosses, their overlords uh, step in. Mr. Newman, you know, one one could say, well, you know, that's the kind of risk that you take when you go on to somebody else's platform. You know, you have to play by their rules. But, you know, considering how much power these corporations have over individuals, I mean, there's stories also, and this isn't related to PayPal specifically, but there's companies, organizations like, um, you know, that have gone to countries like Ireland and they litigate to make sure that uh, certain things can't be said, and they they change the political landscape of of a country. Uh, where do we draw the line here when these companies have so much power over what we can say? Yeah, I think in the United States, the answer to that is very clear cut. Um, every one of these companies has been working very closely with the government. Uh, this has come out in lawsuits. This has been known for years. Um, this has been exposed in discovery processes and court cases uh, for many years now. Um, and then it's actually accelerated. We now have Freedom of Information Act documents proving that the Biden administration has assigned uh, people across uh, multiple federal agencies to work with the big tech companies to silence voices that they don't like. And most recently, they, they were exposed silencing Alex Berenson. Um, and as part of a lawsuit, they had to reinstate him. Uh, that, of course, the former science editor at the New York Times who was exposing the fraud uh, behind the COVID narrative. So uh, we have here uh, not private companies acting independently. What we have here is private companies acting as agents of the state. Uh, and added to that, um, you know, almost every one of these companies was actually started up with U.S. taxpayer money, with uh, support from U.S. government agencies. That is, mm. uh, DARPA, for example, played a role in the founding of Google, and now Google is being weaponized against people. Uh, same thing with Facebook. Uh, you know, uh, in the CIA's investment arm, has been a critical player in the establishment of many of these companies. So it's very hard to tell where the company begins and the government ends. And that in and of itself means that uh, they need to be bound by the First Amendment. They need to stop discriminating against Christians and against conservatives, against people who they disagree with. And um, as far as I'm concerned, this is government action 
aimed at silencing dissent, aimed at silencing speech. That is completely intolerable. It's completely unconstitutional, and it needs to stop. I was also very surprised in this story that uh, former co-founder Elon Musk, former uh, CEO, also uh, spoke out against this. And I think that should be very telling, right? The people who had a vested interest in making sure this company could succeed uh, are speaking out and saying, get your money out. That should be very, very telling. Do you think, Alex Newman, that this will be the last time? that they, Has PayPal learned its lesson now? Are they, are they getting their act straight, or can we expect more of this censorship in the future? You know, it's like those old stories about the scorpion or the snake, right? It's in their nature. <laughs> so they, they, they did not learn their lesson from this. Uh, they learned that they have to do it better from a public relations standpoint. They have to come up with better excuses. But I think as long as the American people tolerate this kind of hatred, this kind of discrimination, these kinds of attacks on free speech, we can expect much more of it, not just from PayPal, but also from Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Google, Microsoft, and all the other big tech companies. Now, we've always... We've talked quite a bit on this show about censorship, especially on the social platforms. We've experienced it firsthand, and it's made life a little bit more difficult to achieve our goals. And we've talked about alternatives, yet when it comes to social media platforms, as good as some of those alternatives are, they really still don't scratch the surface in uh, the ability to reach the masses. And as Christians, that's basically the point of what we do, is to be better, that are good, that are going to protect us, that are going to give us the ability to continue to do what we do. Uh, there is. In fact, uh, long before PayPal canceled me, I had moved most of my business over to a, a Christian payment processor that I absolutely love. Uh, they have lower fees, better customer service, and uh, it's run by Christians who, who will not silence you for saying what the Bible says. Right? So, uh, so that's really exciting. I've been using them for a long time. I couldn't be more pleased with them. Uh, the name is Cornerstone. It's a small company, but they do uh, excellent work, uh, and really their customer service is orders of magnitude better than PayPal. So um, you know, I encourage people to look for alternatives. There are alternatives. There will be more alternatives. And, um, you know, you're right about some of the social media platforms. It, it's hard to reach the general public using some of the more niche platforms. And I think part of the reason for that is the government is propping up these big tech companies, right? If you go through your Facebook feed, your Twitter feed, what you'll find is every other ad, sometimes more, is government propaganda telling you to go take a COVID vaccine, telling you to go <laughs> yeah. take a flu shot. I mean, it, I mean, the taxpayers propping up these companies. Uh, so, you know, when when possible, I highly recommend people use alternatives. There are much better search engines than Google. Uh, there are much better payment processors than PayPal. But, um, you know, a lot of these, unfortunately, have become practically public utilities, like, you know, phone carriers and things, uh, uh, sewage lines. It's very hard to operate in the modern world without them. Uh, and, again, that's because of the government's role in building them up. And so we need to be clear that censorship is totally unacceptable on a taxpayer-funded platform. I still get a great chuckle out of every time I hear someone on or read somebody on Twitter using the word fascist to to describe, you know, somebody who is conservative or Republican or whatever. But uh, the very definition of socialism and fascism is a public-private cooperation. And isn't this like the, the very definition of that? It is. And it's the model that these people hope to use for everything, right? The public-private partnership, the stakeholder capitalism model that uh, Klaus Schwab and the Rothschilds have been promoting, where uh, companies, instead of doing the bidding of shareholders, right, if PayPal was doing the bidding of shareholders, they wouldn't be burning their company to the ground by silencing and discriminating against Christians. 
Um, but they're not serving their shareholders. They're serving, as Klaus Schwab put it, the government, right, and the other stakeholders in this community, as Klaus Schwab <laughs> of the World Economic would put it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's very dangerous. It's a very dangerous situation, and it really is the definition of fascism. Benito Mussolini described fascism as the merger of corporate and state power. It's exactly what we're witnessing here, and all these legions of so-called anti-fascists are cheerleading it like bobbleheads. It's, it's very pathetic. Yeah. All right, Alex Newman from Liberty Sentinel. Thank you for your input and your time today. We're very grateful to you. Thank you for having me on. All right, praise be to God. God bless you. That uh, means we're going to a break. We're going to come right back. Rudy Carlos has got more breaking news and stories. But then afterwards, we've got a great testimony for you. Dr. John Berchalski is going to be our guest. Two patients, my conversion from abortion to life-affirming medicine. All that coming up after this break. Hi, this is Father Stephen Imbarato. Join us in Boston for the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th. Men, we will gather outside the Planned Parenthood to begin the march, and then we're going to meet everyone else for a 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about constitutional personhood for the pre-born and where we need to go from here. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Again, details, mensmarch.com. Join us and spread the word. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, The Catholic Church is too condemning. It needs to practice more tolerance. G.K. Chesterton says, The other word for tolerance is indifference, and the other word for indifference is apathy. The Catholic Church cannot afford to be apathetic. It cannot afford to be tolerant of evil. It has to be consistent in opposing what is wrong and defending what is right. And the Church especially cannot afford to tolerate social evils that are condoned by the state. Why? Because sooner or later, it will be turned against the Church. History has shown this to be true more than once. Chesterton says there have been times in history when the church has been wedded to the world, but it has always been widowed by the world. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired, and now more headlines. Breitbart reports, Brussels terror attack victim euthanized at 23 after unbearable psychological suffering. A Flemish woman who was present at the Brussels National Airport in 2016 during a radical Islamic terror attack has been euthanized at the age of 23 due to psychological trauma and suffering. A few weeks after the attacks, Decord was hospitalized in a psychiatric facility in Antwerp and was treated with antidepressants. On Facebook, she claimed to have taken as many as 11 antidepressant pills per day and wrote, quote, With all the medication I take, I feel like a ghost who no longer feels anything. Maybe there were other solutions than drugs, unquote. In April of this year, Decourt made a request through her doctors for euthanasia, which was granted by two psychiatrists. She was then killed the following month. The Epic Times reports pro-life group wins as uh, North Carolina City admits First Amendment protects public prayer at abortion clinic. Eight members of the Love Life Christian Mil- Mi- Ministry were arrested outside of a Greenboro Uh, abortion clinic on March 28, 2020, the day after local officials had adopted a COVID-inspired public health proclamation that banned mass gatherings of 10 people or more. The text of the statement, uh, the settlement rather, isn't published, but ADF described its major terms in its statement. 
saying, quote, as part of the settlement, the city agreed that the First Amendment protects engaging pro-life advocacy on public sidewalks and further agreed to uphold citizens' First Amendment rights in any future proclamation order related to a public health emergency like COVID-19, the statement reads. Hopefully we don't have another one of those. And Alabama Live reports, Coast Guard rescues bloodied fishermen fighting sharks after boat sinks in Gulf of Mexico. The U.S. Coast Guard witnessed a scene straight out of Jaws when it found the crew of a sunken fishing boat fighting off sharks in the Gulf of Mexico. All three men were plucked alive from the water and rushed to a hospital, the Coast Guard said in a news release. Two of the three suffered shark bites to their hands, with one showing signs of hypothermia, one official said. The rescue happened 25 miles off of Empire, Louisiana, as a Coast Guard was searching for a fishing boat reported missing late on Saturday. Empire is about 55 miles southeast of New Orleans. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up today. Don't forget real quick, Brent Haynes, attorney and uh, pro-life warrior, is going to be on at the top of the next hour. We're going to follow up on uh, Dilbert being canceled for making fun of ESG, which is related to that PayPal story. So join us at the top of the next hour if you can. You can always hang out with us on our website if you'd like. If you can't tune in on radio, go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt joining us right now is dr john Borchalski. he has a book out it was just released not even two weeks ago two patients my conversion from abortion to life affirming medicine which you can find at ignatius.com good morning to you dr Borchalski. hey good morning joe Praise be to God. We're glad to see you. Thank you for your time today. Uh, we don't often get to hear the story or to look at the pro-life cause from a doctor's perspective who's sort of had one foot in both worlds. So we're very fascinated by the conversation. Uh, let's start with uh, the abortion side of that equation. How did you get involved in uh, the uh, work of abortion? Like so many of us, uh, I'm 62, so so many of us in the 70s, 80s, and 90s we grew up in great families, but then went off to schools that uh, were trying to teach us uh, social justice and relativism. And I just bought the status quo. I wanted to do what a good OBGYN does. And that means provide uh, full reproductive health for their patients. And included in that was abortion, Joe. That is to us. I mean, uh, I mean I'm post-abortive, just so you know, but it still seems very like insane to think that a person who studies medicine to help save people, to heal people, could at the same time rationalize the taking of a life. How does that exactly work? So, Joe, um, as you know, and as your audience continually hears from this wonderful station, that society is really broken, and medicine being part of that society is absolutely broken. For 50 years, we have um, allowed abortion on demand for any reason at any time to be the patient autonomy fact of OBGYN, meaning if a mother, if a woman wants that procedure or medication done for whatever reason, we must provide it out of a duty of it's a woman's right. And what the world has done and what medicine has done is it's replaced a mother with child with a woman with a right to abortion. It's been slowly and subtly and graphically altered. And that's the reality we face now. 
a medical student at UVA told me that in about 2012, I was the first doctor that ever told him that life began at fertilization. Wow. We're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Boy, there's, that's a rabbit hole I'd like to go down it. Uh, I gotta, <laughs> gotta be careful. You somewhere. can. Well, I was just thinking about how, uh, you know, we think of medical doctors, we think of science being so advanced, so, so black and white, so clear, uh, you know, how it, uh, it, it teaches truth and therefore unquestionable. And yet we just went through a pandemic where medical doctors could question things and they would get censored and shut down. Um, it, it's very confusing to the average layperson to say the least. And when it comes to the life issue, the science, I mean, I remember watching The Silent Scream by Dr. Uh, uh, Bernard Nathanson and watching that video of, of a baby in utero fighting for its life being aborted was frightening, shocking, and crazy to my mind to think about uh, how we'd never even considered that the baby might have an opinion in this matter. So, Joe, you're spot on, and you have your finger on the pulse of what's going on. But that's a life pulse. You actually have your finger on um, the triumph and the mercy of God that's going to come through this uh, scenario. What's happened is, is that we've bought scientism. Think of all the countries that fell to communism over the last, say, 100 years. They've all fell from within. My, my specialty of OBGYN was, um, let's just say that it was mutinied by a bunch of elitist uh, professors and, and MDs who bought the political value of abortion back in the 19, late 60s and early 70s. Bernard Nathanson, who became a sort of friend of mine, um, taught me this. And they used any means necessary from a political standpoint. Remember, abortion is a political reality. Uh, scientism, where you actually believe that might makes right and that you can um, alter society through science, because of these last 50 years, and then you saw it culminate sort of in the viral, the virus um, debates or the lack of debates, there's only one way to think about it, and that is abortion on demand. That is, you have to toe the party line, whether it's in uh, COVID or whether it's in abortion and reproductive health. And we've moved away from the reality of the two-patient model of OBGYN, where a doctor cares for both mom and baby, never pits one against the other, and always cares for a healthy mom, because a healthy mom provides us with a healthy child, which is good for the patients, good for the provider, good for the parish, good for the parishioner. And it's that dynamic that we're fighting today. It's this overtaking of, it seems like everything by a communistic one party rule um, approach to, you know, truth. And it's absolutely uh, not right. And so that's why I wrote the book to patients to provide hope mm -hmm. and to show others that it can be done not only through the mercy of God, but through good science facts as well as courageous friends who stand up and witness for life. 
We're under two minutes till a hard network break here. We're talking with Dr. John Berchalski. Uh Doctor, let me ask you a question. Do you, what is the hope for medical students? I mean, how many, how many medical students have graduated in the last 50 years and have now been indoctrinated by this idea that life doesn't begin at fertilization? Is there hope for the future? Oh, absolutely. Um, you have to realize that when you go speak at a medical school, I would say that 85% of people are lukewarm. They're just there getting a disease, get, they're going through the motions. And I believe that that large entity in the middle is actually going to come to the place where they're not happy, they're not fulfilled. Now, there's going to be about 85%, there's probably another 10% who are radically pro-abortion. And uh, they're going to be out there, and there's always going to be. And I think because the, the science is on our side, the psychology is on our side, the mercy is on our side, the truth is on our side, I think we just need people to wake The book is called Two Patients, uh, subtitled My Conversion from Abortion to Life-Affirming Medicine. Dr. John Berchalski is our guest. You can find this book on the Ignatius.com website. It's on Amazon, but I encourage you to buy from Ignatius directly. And in fact, I think they're running a discount on it as well online. So you could get a little discount there as well if you're interested. Ignatius.com forward slash two hyphen patients hyphen uh, TPP. Just go to Ignatius.com. You'll find it there, two patients. But on the other side of the break, I want to find out what caused him to change. Hmm. All that and more is coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your only daughter met a fine young man who was a committed Mormon. She now wants to join his church. What's your answer? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a reason for no. Doctrinal positions such as the deity of Jesus and the Trinity. Your reason for yes. You deem seemingly moral character as superseding biblical truth. Secondly, orthodoxy. Your answer is probably no. But how and why? Your resistance to Mormon doctrine does not just come straight down from the Bible. It comes from the first five centuries of brilliant theologians, bishops, and popes. These Catholics wrote, debated, and fought for truth. Example, in 250 A.D., 311, and 417, three different popes excommunicated three different heretics, Sibelius, Arius, and Pelagius. They denied the Trinity, the eternal deity of Jesus, or taught that human effort warranted salvation. Would your pastor excommunicate a heretic? Well, unfortunately, your pastor can only remove someone from his local congregation. But that's okay. That guy will probably end up being welcomed at a church down the street. Hi, this is Pam Stenzel. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11.30 a.m. for the march, and then everyone else show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the Statehouse, where I'll be speaking about the need to value and protect every pre-born baby from fertilization. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Dr. John Borchalski is our guest. Two patients, my conversion from abortion to life-affirming medicine is the book just published by Ignatius.com. Praise be to God. Uh, So what was the catalyst moment in your life that changed your outlook, your opinion on abortion and the the pro-life cause? So I think that was foundational. Then I was, when you do, uh, the early abortions are very, very early. There's no bones. It's, it's literally just disrupted 
soft tissue. However, right around eight to nine weeks, the bones begin to form. You have to count body parts, and it becomes a reminder of what you are doing, this kind of consciousness. And then what happens is, is that your heart becomes hardened. You start reading the literature, and you begin to see that abortion is not as healthy as you thought it was. Breast cancer, preterm labor, mental illness, suicides, uh, substance abuse, that starts coming through. And then the cognitive dissonance that happens on labor and delivery where you're saving a life because the mother wants it or welcomes it. And in the next room, you're not. You're literally getting rid of a life because the mother doesn't want it. I did that one afternoon and uh, I had to weigh this fetus because it was over 500 grams, which meant I had to call the high risk doctors in and this woman came in, brilliant, excellent doctor, and challenged me and said, Dr. Burchowski, why are you giving me tumors? Why are you treating my patients like tumors? I didn't monitor this baby. I just aborted it. And it came out alive, and I threw it on the scale, and she challenged me. The next morning, she witnessed to me and said, hey, man, you're better than this. There's two patients there. And then she recommended that I go to Yugoslavia on a retreat to Medjugorje. I had been to Guadalupe between medical school and college where I heard, why are you hurting me? But I blew it off. And I want to tell your guests and, and your, your audience, if today you hear his voice, please, please, please harden not your hearts. So two days later, my mom took, you know, offered to take me to Medjugorje independent of myself. And when I went there, the mercy of God touched me through prayer, along with his mother and my mother. I was working during that time, Joe, believe it or not, at a pregnancy center that was run by an evangelical church, First Assembly, in Virginia Beach. So at night, I was seeing what mercy was. And during the daytime, I was working as a second-year resident, just going through the daily motions. It was those three things of facts, friends, and faith that wow. had just came into my life, and I came off that mountain radically changed. So once you finished your residency, how did this experience change your future professional work as a doctor? Well, you're spot on again, you know, Joe. Um, the mother said, practice excellent medicine, see the underserved daily, and follow the teachings of my son's church in scripture and tradition. I came off the hill totally convinced of the integrity of the Catholic Church's teaching. And they were the only church at the time really speaking and having doctrine on the evils of abortion. I came back to the Catholic Church. I told my professors. And eventually, my wife and I started Tepiak OBGYN based on those three principles be excellent, be board certified, but I partnered with all the pregnancy centers, all in the area to send me their, their, their patients. Because in the end, when you stand before him, what you did to the least of my brothers, parts of my human family, you've done unto him. And that became acutely real when you care for and partner with pregnancy resource centers. We also then began to talk and teach others 
about this approach to medicine. The practice grew over time. It's been there for 28 years. We had to go nonprofit, so we developed Divine Mercy Care, which is what I'm now president of because I, w I got ill at the end of last year and can no longer see clinical patients. But now I see us raising the Delta, the money to help Tepiac cover that underserved population because we have a duty. Medicine is an act of mercy. Health is relational. And what happens is you can then teach this method. And that's what we're doing now at Divine Mercy Care. We're taking, we're distilling the last 28 years of practice and showing others how you can live a wonderful, rewarding, excellent medical practice in OBGYN without resorting to abortion, which is what we've been doing for the last 50 years. Hmm. Wow. Uh, one of our uh, one of our listeners or viewers right now just let us know that you delivered her daughter. Praise be to God. And she oh, said to Lord. say thank you. So no, pretty cool. Uh, uh, Joe, God's mercy takes all of us. And it's one of the reasons why I wrote this book. It's about the hope. No matter who you are, what you've done, I've done abortions in the first two years of my residency, and I definitely encouraged it during medical school, even beginning to perform some. I want you to know that whatever you've done out there, God's mercy is greater, and then he can actually work through you and share that with others, love God and love neighbor, not for them so much, but for ourselves, Joe. It's yeah. what you all are doing here at Guadalupe Radio, mm -hmm. which we're so grateful for. You know, as I said earlier, I'm post-abortive myself. I, I took a girl to get an abortion in 1994. And, uh, of course, that creates lots of uh, destruction in one's life that requires healing in God's grace. And by the grace of God, I've, I've been able to experience that grace. Uh, but so much of the abortion uh, debate is emotional. It's not science, really. It's emotional-based. And uh, whether it's doctors who rationalize their choices or the, the patients themselves who rationalize their choices, I think that can be something that needs to be said in that when we approach people who think and uh, think of pro-choice, we need to remember that there's some emotional issue going on in their life that needs to be addressed, not an intellectual one. Oh, Joe. Um, so... Part of our approach, when we say uh, medicine is an act of mercy and health is relational, it means that once you develop a relation with your patient and you begin to hate the disease but love the patient, you look at them holistically, body, soul, and spirit. And so what happens is, is that it's not only emotional, it's psychological, it's physical, and since we're all one, and as you know, you know, our bodies are connected with our interior. Um, it affects us. It makes us fatigued. It makes us angry. Uh, I believe that the summer of rage and what we see, not only are the doctors post-abortal, but the patients are post-abortal. And the whole, it's almost as if our society has become post-abortal. Everything's emotional. Everything is situational everything is re um not objective but subjective it's all relative and i believe that because of our approach to health believing that we have to murder or end the life of the child inside the womb of the mother my god i think the whole country almost has become post-abortal 
And we have to look and care for them as broken, hurt members of our human family and uh, spread the mercy of God, which is really the only thing that's going to be able to save us. Doctor, uh, what do you recommend to people who are in a medical school and are trying to get through? I have a friend who wants to be an OBGYN. I have other friends who are in medical school for various other uh, paths. And they always tell me about the various moral quandaries. Abortion is one of them, but there are many. Um, how do you recommend a someone, a young person who's in medical school, navigate the waters? So that's a great question, and it's practical. This is how you do it. There are people who have gone before you. There are doctors, OBGYNs, that have gone before you and have done this. So one way is contact us at info at divinemercycare.org. That is a very simple way. The American Association of Pro-Life OBGYNs, the Catholic Medical Association, the Christian Medical and Dental Society. What happens is there are organizations that are out there, but there are people like us, like myself and others, where you can just ask these questions. We have shepherded hundreds of students throughout the last 30 years at tepiacobgyn.com and divinemercycare.org. And we've referred them on to other areas, um, almost like an underground railroad, because you're not going to hear this in the status quo of what reproductive health is, because we're interested in mother with child. This is my body given up for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It's not the standard uh, reproductive health woman with a right to abortion, my body, my choice. It's a drastic approach. It's a different approach to the truth and the science and the relational attitude of what medicine can really be when you combine the best of modern medicine with the healing presence of Jesus Christ. Yeah, it almost feels like uh, the system is stacked against us, to be sure. One last thing, we have about a minute left, but uh, I was I shared a video on uh, you on Twitter this morning of a person protesting uh, the repealing of uh, of Roe v. Wade by barking, by screaming, yelling, and barking. I have to believe there's a diabolical element to this. Uh, mortal sin opens wides the door to to the devil and the occult in our life. Can you speak to that? You got about uh, thirty seconds. No problem. Uh, scripture is filled with cultures that slaughtered their children. Think of Baal, think of Moloch. You know a, you know a country is doomed when they're killing their future and they celebrate it. Amen. I hate to say it, but we're out of time. Dr. John Berchalski, thank you for your time today. The book is called Two Patients, My Conversion from Abortion to Life-Affirming Medicine. You can find it at Ignatius.com. That's Ignatius.com. Dr. Berchalski, God bless you. God love you. Have a great day. God bless you, buddy. Thank you. All right, that's going to do it for hour number one. Join us in the second hour. Brent Haynes is going to be our guest. All that and more, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God bless you. God bless you. 
Hi, this is Carrie Beatley. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 1130 for the march. And everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about how America's abortion king pushed the lie of abortion on the American people. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Can you really say you know what praying the rosary is all about? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, listen to the who's who of the rosary. We have the Blessed Trinity. We have the Angel Gabriel. We have the Virgin Mary. We have John the Baptist. And we have Elizabeth. So how's that for a cast of sacred ones? Secondly, reflection. While saying the rosary, we reflect on 20 primary and sacred moments that occur in the lives of the Holy Family. And thirdly, the rosary dynamics. Here's how you involve this cast of holy ones in praying the rosary. You first invoke the three persons of the Blessed Trinity. Then, on to praying the Apostles' Creed. Then you will pray in Our Father. Then you will recite the angel Gabriel's words to Mary. Then you'll recite what Mary said to Elizabeth. And then you will relive John the Baptist being filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Then you will ask for Mary's assistance in your life. And I'm so glad to say none of that is idolatry. Men, it's time. Participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th, 11.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. in Boston. There is a man connected to every abortion. Men are a big part of the problem, and it's time for all men to take responsibility and be a big part of the solution. All men of goodwill are invited to participate in the march, and everyone else is needed to show up for the rally beginning at 2 p.m. outside of the State House. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox. Goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. Hi, this is Salisha from the Catholic Charismatic Center, and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston. God bless you and your family. Be on with you. Praise be to God. St. John the 23rd, Ora Pro Nobis. Hey, coming up here in just a little bit, Brent Haynes is going to be our guest, attorney, Catholic freedom fighter, friend of the show. Sometimes a co-host, by the way. And he's going to be back on the program in the co-host role coming up in just over a week, actually, because yours truly is going on vacation. <laughs> why, Can I come? Why, why are you crying? Can I, I thought you'd rejoice. I thought you'd be happy. Rejoice. You were like, finally, rejoice. this guy's out of here. Praise be to God. Uh, it's going to I mean, I'm sure you've got great plans while I'm gone. Can we talk about how it's almost Christmas? Now, I want to talk about who you've got lined up for when I'm gone. Well, I won't be tuning in. I'll be on vacation mode. Got a few things up my sleeve here, Joe. Do you but, really? Uh, you know, we'll see. Do you have Charles and then Cologne on? <laughs> <laughs> it's a guy named Roy. A guy. <laughs> uh, also goes by Charles Cologne. Also goes by Charles Cologne. You <laughs> I might have Charles. I might get Charles on. We'll see. Yeah, um, he's going to be in Dallas this this weekend. So maybe be interesting to talk there. about uh, blessed blessed Carl or oh maybe know, something. What if we got? Adrian to play reporter on the ground. 
man on the street. And so when he goes up to Dallas this weekend, he could pull out his trusty audio recorder device and record some interviews with uh, Charles Colomb, with Bishop Athanasius Schneider, and who else is going? Some Edward Habsburgs. Uh, yeah, interview some of the Habsburgs. Ask, ask him, him why he loves anime. Ask him when they're going to make the Habsburg cringe. Empire great again. And uh, and then we can, you can play some of those clips on the show. Mm-hmm. So opportunity. Joe's, Joe's anti-monarchist uh, leanings are showing, by the way. <laughs> um, Magna Carta? Do I have a poster for Magna Carta? I might have the You know the Magna sticker. Carta was condemned, right? Was it? Yeah. Come on. Make the Magna Carta great again, I say. It was never great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm too well. far removed from school to remember what that is. Let me look it up. Magna Carta was <laughs> really? the... Uh, Come was on. The, was I remember the, it. Constitution, basically, of England it to was the death limit the powers of the, of, the, of the monarchy in England. Ah, yes. Yes, it was the death of the monarchy is what it was. Great. But, uh, Thank yeah. you, Anglos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, at any rate, uh, coming up here in just a moment, we're going to be talking about uh, the, the ESG, which is continued censorship by by financial institutions. Well, they have uh, the ESG has been the the death apparently of the Dilbert cartoon. Do you, are you familiar with the Dilbert cartoons? I, I am. I used to read it when I was a kid. Really? <laughs> and half the time I didn't understand what they were talking about, but I liked the characters. I thought they were funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like their corporate outfits, you know. Yeah, but, uh, like parody used to be like celebrated even if you disagreed with it. Oh, yeah. Like when I was a kid, you'd watch Saturday Night Live. If everybody had a laugh, fine, fair enough. But today, you're only allowed to laugh according to what they tell you you're allowed to laugh about. Please clap. Exactly. Please (laughs) clap. So we'll have that conversation. Also, apparently, uh, there are people in the DOJ who who are investigating anybody who's critical of hospitals for trying to trans kids. Hmm. So you're not allowed to... Be critical of that. We'll catch up on that here in a moment as well. If you missed that conversation in the last hour with Dr. Berkowski, Ber- uh, please do get our podcast for that. Uh, great conversation from a doctor's perspective who had performed abortions, had one foot in the both worlds, pro-life world and the abortion world, and what changed him. You can find our podcast linked up on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Praise be to God. Good morning to you, Brent Haynes. Good morning, Joe. God is so very good. It's good to have you on the show. Are you geared up and ready to to fill in uh, the big shoes, as they say, while I'm on vacation? Joe, those, those are big shoes. <laughs> was, that, uh, so, was that a fat I, joke? I, I, I'm just I think curious. No, I think between I think the between the three of us, uh, I think maybe it might take all three of us so that we can do it. You know, with God's help, <laughs> with, with God's grace, you'll be fine. Praise be to God. I, however, will be hiking mountains in New Hampshire by the grace of God. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. But you know, we earlier in the last hour we talked with Alex Newman from Liberty Sentinel about the PayPal story. And how they reversed course after they lost six billion dollars worth of uh, uh, you know value in their and their stocks because they were attempting to regulate what their users could say and not say online. And uh, there's this story out of the Daily Signal uh, how the the guy who was behind the Dilbert cartoons has been censored because he dared to to have a, a laugh about ESG scores. What's the score there? 
Well, a lot of people out there listening, maybe not everybody, uh, are, but a lot of people out there are probably read or are fans of the Dilbert cartoon or at least aware of it. Uh, it's a cartoon that was started in 1989. It's just a comic strip, Joe, just like the uh, comic strips you've seen in the newspaper for decades, going back decades and decades. And this one just uh, was about workplace humor, about Dil- Dilbert, a character in the workplace, and it makes fun of management, uh, work for the sake of work, bureaucratic practices. It, it's just a, it's just a comic strip, Joe. It's the Office, but in comic form. It, that's a good way to put it. And I have to confess, I have not, you know, watched much of The Office over the years. Hardly any, but I'm aware of it enough. That's a good comparison. And I've never read Dilbert much. I'm not much of a comic strip person, but you know, it's just a comic strip, Joe. And uh, uh, Dilbert making fun of the workplace, started making, sort of started poking humor at something called ESG, you know, environmental social governance. And that's a set of policies that are used in the business world by corporations or companies to advance certain agendas such as climate change, DEI. You got to know your acronyms, Joe. It's going to stay up. It's going to stay up to date <laughs> in the modern world. You know, diversity, equity, inclusion. So ESG is environmental, social governance. Think of it as sort of like a social credit score for companies. Well, um, investments uh, are gen- are judged by this ESG score or ESG standards, and this is no small thing. Uh, as recently as 2018, something like two thirds of American pension fund money was invested according to ESG standards. The uh, Securities and Exchange Commission has voted to um, has voted to put in uh, uh, financial reporting requirements for corporations. Well, he started making fun of this, and lo and behold, just by coincidence, he gets canceled. Yeah. It seems bizarre to me. And so many financial institutions are uh, coming on board. I mean, J.P. Morgan Chase, Bank of America, all of these major banking institutions that most Americans use for their personal finances, their business finances, or what have you, are all in this game. In fact, it's been one of the big issues in the oil and gas exploration business, just trying to get a line of credit so that you can continue to explore, which has been suppressed by this current administration anyway. Uh, means that uh, oil and gas businesses are less likely to take risks because they don't know what's, what's happening in the future. And if they don't get along, go along with the, with their ESG portfolio of investments, they may not get those lines of credit as well. So, it, And now they're talking about bringing that down to the user level. So your checking account, you want to get a mortgage? Well, I just noticed that you aren't quite on board with this whole climate change thing. Maybe you aren't the kind of customer we want. And now PayPal, you know, backtracking on uh, on the debacle over the weekend, um, it seems like the future is not so bright. And it seems that these Western countries are really embracing the social credit score system that China has been spreading now around the world. Um, I think that should give us some great cause and concern. Well, Joe, you're right. And the... Another recent example about this is the effort, not the effort, the action by the credit card companies to create special codes for certain purchases that involve firearms or ammunition. That way, uh, private companies and banks will know exactly whether or not you have purchased a firearm, whether you've purchased uh, ammunition. They can, 
they can keep track of that just like they track everything else we do um, on the Internet. Um, you know, the big commodity that the big tech companies make money from is not from the services they provide to their users like you or me on YouTube or Gmail or, or anything. It's the data they collect on us that they then sell to companies. Well, they're collecting that data, and these credit card companies have now come out with a special code that's used for their transactions because all of your financial transactions get coded, essentially, and they want to track people who buy firearms or ammunition. So, you know, this is broad-ranging, um, and it, people are, you know, they're willing to take actions on these things. The American Medical Association, switching, you know, to our other topic, the American Medical Association and to other organizations, uh, sent a letter to the Department of Justice, Joe, calling for the investigation and prosecution of people who share what they call disinformation regarding gender reassignment surgeries and gender treatment. Now, we're talking about treatment for minors and children. Now, do you remember, I'm sure you do, when the National School Board Association sent the letter to the Department of mm -hmm. Justice yeah. and, and the department to ask them to investigate parents at high school, at uh, school board meetings who were complaining about critical race theory? And what happened? Parents got characterized as terrorists. Well, now, here we go again. Don't you dare criticize uh, people on uh, uh, criticized school, uh, hospitals or doctors or people who are committing life-altering surgeries, essentially bodily mutilation on on young people, people, children, people who are not adults. Don't criticize them, Joe, or Merrick Garland might, or the FBI might be coming after you. Yeah, we saw more of that over the weekend. Uh, Pro-lifer Paul Vaughn was arrested, similar to how. Mark Houck was arrested, but uh, in this time in Tennessee, also in front of his kids, uh, leaving them sort of terrorized. Now, I uh, guess uh, the blessing in disguise is the FBI learned their lesson. They used less armed guards or less armed agents to make the arrest. But still, I think the effect is the same. So we're definitely seeing a trend here about the DOJ leveraging intimidation through the FBI to try to hammer a point home pro-lifers stay home well and, and not just pro-lifers really i mean conservatives in general but of course the pro-life movement is at the top of it because the pro-life movement hits at the at the very center of you know of the woke of the woke left um, belief system you know when i became pro-life i would hear some pro-life friends talk about how you know the pro pro-abortionist the pro-choice advocates uh how they treated abortion like a sacrament. And I didn't pay a lot of attention to that at the time. And I, and I don't think that most Americans are like that. But the way some of them respond, uh, it, it really makes you wonder about that. You know, why, why, do why do people put so much emphasis, in, even people whose direct lives would never be affected in any way, even when abortion is rare, even on the political you know, left in terms of people's daily activities and everything that's going on. Why do they just become so utterly over the top in defense of uh, abortion? It, in terms of the Department of Justice and how they'll respond to this letter, maybe they'll be a little more circumspect on the letter from the AMA, given some of the publicity that they have uh, received. But also because we're going to find out in four weeks, Joe, uh, we're going to find out, um, or, or about three weeks, we're going to find out uh, whether or not uh, one party is going to continue to control all of the federal government. 
And if either House changes hands, and probably the House of Representatives will, there could be congressional oversight committee hearings. Now, those aren't as powerful as you would think. Um, you know, uh, previous attorney generals, uh, such as Eric Holder under President Obama, would ignore, you know, certain requirements or requests from Congress. But that might affect the Department of Justice. But otherwise, uh, they obviously haven't let up yet, especially on pro-lifers. And it just looks like uh, parents going to school meeting, school board meetings being called terrorist round two in the medical context. Mm. Well, I guess we're about to find out. I saw some uh, recent polling uh, <laughs> in the Hispanic community. They have uh, a higher favorable rating for Columbus, Christopher Columbus, than they did in the current administration. So that should tell you about the times that we live in. Very interesting indeed. But attorney Brent Haynes, Catholic pro-life advocate, And speaker, thank you for being on with us, giving us insight of these stories. We'll see you next week. All right, that music means we're going to go to a break. We're going to come back, and we're going to play our game. Fear and Trembling, it's time to have some fun, to learn some things, to have a laugh. And you could win prizes, indeed. Call right now, 877-757-9424. Play our game. Have a laugh with us at 877-757-9424. Call right now, 877-757-9424. In 1 Timothy, it says that Jesus is our sole mediator, yet we pray to Mary and the saints. Is that going against the Bible? 1 Timothy 2, verse 5 says, There is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. By praying to the saints, we're accused of going against the Bible because it seems we are making the saints mediators between God and man, not just Jesus. In the Old Testament, we see that Moses, Abraham, and Job interceded on behalf of others. That's mediating between God and man. Plus, we know that it is okay to ask others here on earth to pray and intercede for us. That's mediating between God and man. So once again, we have a situation where a passage of the Bible is being misinterpreted and misunderstood. There is, scripture says that we have only one foundation, Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 3.11. But Scripture says that there is more than one foundation, Ephesians 2.19 and 20. Scripture says that we have only one Lord, Jesus Christ, Ephesians 4, verses 4 and 5. But Scripture says there is more than one Lord, Revelations 19.16. Scripture says that we have only one judge, Jesus Christ, James 4, verse 12. But Scripture tells us there is more than one judge, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 2. Contradictions in Scripture? No, not when these passages are read in context. Jesus is the only foundation, Jesus is the only Lord, and Jesus is the only judge. We are members of Jesus' body. Therefore, we are able, according to the graces given by Christ, to share in Jesus' role as foundation, as Lord, and as judge, and in other aspects of Christ as well. Another example, as a father, I share in God's role as the Father by His grace. And so also the saints in heaven can and do share in Christ's role as mediator. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, a Catholic trivia game show with secrets and agendas. So don't tell anybody. Ever. 
All right? If you'll do that, if you promise me that, then I shall tell you. I shall reveal them to you now. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you just might learn something about the Catholic faith that you didn't know before. Praise be to God. Just think about the bragging rights. And then we like to have a laugh. We like to have a chuckle. And our callers are actually amazing. They laugh with us. We love that most, I would say. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which means it's an incentive for everyone. You can't lose on this deal. You could laugh, you could learn, and you could win. It's a winner. But here's the catch. If you're just joining us, I shall explain. I have three Catholic trivia questions before me. But I do not ask the caller the questions, so they do not need to know any of the correct answers. They could win and not know a single right answer. It's true. It's possible. And the reason is because instead of asking them, I shall ask Rudy and I shall ask Adrian. One of them will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? They always know they can trust me, but nonetheless, they have to choose. And uh, if they choose right, then, of course, it goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, you, the Lujan family. Well, that's because they make beautiful, if you're watching us through uh, any of our social media pages, YouTube, Odyssey, Rumble, all those things, with uh, turquoise centerpiece there. Very beautiful. Now, October is the month dedicated to the Most Holy Rosary. And to promote this incredible devotion, we're going to be giving this away on Friday. So thank you very much, the Lujan family, for generously Mm. contributing to to the game show. And uh, we love your rosaries. They're really beautiful and handmade. How does the the bead feel? Is it cold to the there's touch? A, there's a good hat to this. Is but like the the temperature of the bead? Is it cool to the touch? It's almost Joe, as if it's resonant in Ooh. my hands. Mm. I like that. I like that tactile experience when you're praying the rosary. Yeah, you want it to feel something. You can almost get the sense that it's mm-hmm. imbued with. No, they didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, let's go to the phones. Praise be to God. Uh, praise be to, I shall explain. Uh, we're grateful you are here to start with. Uh, the way it works is I have three Catholic trivia questions, but you don't need to know. You, you could not know any of these, and you could still win. It's possible. Uh, the reason why is because I'm going to ask Rudy, and I'm going to ask Adrian. One of them is going to give you a correct answer. The other will give you an incorrect answer. And then, Gaila, you will have 15 seconds to decide whom do you trust more, Rudy or Adrian. And then, then the then the correct answers go into the cup to possibly win this week's prize. Sound like a fair deal? Yep. Now, where do you go to church, Gaila? Sojourn. Sojourn. Well, praise be to God. We're glad you're here. Are you ready to... No tie today, by the way. Not today. Hmm. Trying to send a message? I'm just curious. I just didn't want to put a neck strangler on today. Oh, is that what we're going to go with? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Casual Nothing Tuesday. to do with how tricky you are. Pretty term used to address cardinals. Mm-hmm. It, uh, mm-hmm. Some people might say... Just kidding. We're uh, not talking about birds here. We're not? Okay. We are talking about cardinals. <laughs> hand out their... Uh, some post-conciliar ring kissing. Who knew? Hmm. All right. Uh, let's just see what Adrian says. Adrian, can you tell me... One day. <laughs> one day, I hope. Someday. Dress cardinals. Yeah. Cardinals of the church, as we established, mm-hmm. would be your eminence. Your eminence. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It sounds very proper. It your is very proper. Stuffy. Which is sure. opposed your to eminence. your excellency, which is for uh-huh. a bishop. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Your ex- Or your holiness for a pope, possibly. For, for popes. Could be. All right. Well... 
Gaila and Plano, you got options here. Adrian seems to think you address a cardinal by saying your eminence, whereas Adrian, or rather Rudy, is on the board for dude. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Who's just silly? I'm going to go with Adrian. You have to, right? Like, <laughs> but what if? <laughs> what if there were what regional dialects? You have to say. <laughs> what choice do you have but to admit Clearly, Adrian is correct? Clearly, she's a wise and astute mm-hmm. uh, young lady. Yeah. Clearly. Just for admitting you're right? For admitting I'm right, correct. I see. Mm-hmm. Okay. Everyone well, who says that I'm correct is mm-hmm. just becomes ten times more attractive automatically. Now, all kidding aside, I have to believe there are Californians who would call a no cardinal English. dude. Oh. <laughs> so and in your defense, you could still be correct. Look, uh, uh, I didn't want to say it, but it it was a true story. Based on true events. Based on actual <laughs> events. But the real answer is your eminence. And uh, you're right. Excellency for bishop, eminence for cardinal, holiness for for uh, for the Pope. What about for the Eastern Orthodox Patriarch? It's your beatitude, right? Correct. Yeah. What about for the president? Uh, so we have later. other names for that. But let's go. Let's move on. All right. We're going to go Brandon. to the next. We're going to go to this next unrelated question to the first. Completely unrelated. Completely None not. of these questions, all three of them, are not related to Do one another. Do not link the dots. But Adrian, we're going to go with you first. Adrian, can you tell me what is an ecclesiastical prince of the church called? Yes, that would be called a deacon. Really? Yes. Wow. Little known fact. Would it be Everybody permanent kind of, uh, or transitory? The same thing. Oh, I see. But, you know, they people kind of misunderstand this, and they kind of say, oh, well, you know, deacons, they just mm-hmm. preach the gospel on Sundays occasionally, and that's about it. But no, they're actually princes of the church. Are they really? Mm-hmm. Oof. Who knew? Mind blown. Oh, let's just see what Rudy has to say here. Rudy, can you tell me, what is an ecclesiastical prince of the church called? Hmm, uh, deacon might be a good answer because, you know, you can't really tell sometimes if they're a priest or a deacon. But uh, if we're talking about the hierarchy here, we're talking about the prince of the church. Well, that's a cardinal. A cardinal. Yeah. Completely unrelated to the first question. Uh, Yeah. Completely. Nothing to see here. Move along. Move along. Okay, so your answer is cardinal. An ecclesiastical prince of the church would be a cardinal. Adrian seems to think it's a deacon, though. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Kyla, what say you? I'm gonna go with Rudy. Wow. Nope. No curveballs. So wise. No curveballs. Well done. Praise be to God. Well played. Uh, That wasn't too tricky, right? That was pretty straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. Cardinal is the correct answer. Deacon is not, Adrian. Oh. Hopefully you're taking notes. Whoops. Uh, definitely not Prince of the Church. Does that mean I have to return my PhD in, yes. in Cardinalology? Immediately. <laughs> Immediately. All right. Uh, third time's a charm, as they say. Here, let's see if we can't get you in the cup for a third time. We're going to go back to Rudy on this one. Rudy, what name is given to Catholic churches or centers located on or near non-Catholic universities? What do we call that? We call those fraternities. Really? Yeah. Frat bros. Frat bros. Frat bros. Yeah. Or fraternities. Fraternity brothers. Fraternity. Or they'd be sororities. What do they call them in in, uh, sororities? In California? Sororities? Sororities? What did you say? What did I say? Sororities. Sororities? (laughs) I think I'm confusing sobriety with... It's a regional (laughs) variation. Okay. But you're still going to go with fraternity. Fraternity. You're on the board for fraternity. I am. Okay. Uh, Adrian... 
I'm no doubt uh, positive that you were a frat bro. Oh, in your mm. wild college years, <laughs> I strike you as one. Happy to God. All right, uh, Gaila, you got options. Uh, these Catholic churches or Catholic centers uh, near non-Catholic universities are they called Newman centers, as Adrian wants us to believe, or are they called fraternities, as Rudy seems to suggest? Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Adrian. <sighs> Wow. Three for three. Three for three. Very nice. Wow. If she got it wow. right, said Adrian twice, that make her 20 yeah. times Kyla. more amazing. Yeah. One should never readily admit so confidently that Adrian is correct. <laughs> it is a dangerous thing uh, for Adrian and his salvation. So Clearly, she is a more astute, wise, time. beautiful. <laughs> all these things, it's very clear to me. Thank I can you. see it. God bless you. Thanks for having Thank a laugh with us God. today. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, praise be to God. Uh, glad you were on the show today. We're going to put you on hold so we get your information, but hopefully you'll keep tuning in and be on with us again sometime in the future. Hey, that's going to do it for the radio side of our show. Please join us in the after show where you get to drive the conversation with whatever you want to talk about, comment, or anything else. You can go to one of our live video feeds on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. You can find all the links there. We're on YouTube, Rumble, Facebook, Odyssey, and other places. Again, God bless you, and God love you. See you tomorrow. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Pope John XXIII and the 60th anniversary of the opening of the Second Vatican Council. That the intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. The church is one foundation, is Jesus Christ her Lord. She is his new creation, by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her, to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her, and for her life he died. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault, 
Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Almighty, ever-living God, who chose Blessed John the Twenty-Third to preside over your whole people and benefit them by word and example. Keep safe, we pray, by his intercession, the shepherds of your church, along with the flocks entrusted to their care, and direct them in the way of eternal salvation. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Galatians. Brothers and sisters, for freedom Christ set us free. So stand firm and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. It is I, Paul, who am telling you that if you have, if you have yourselves circumcised, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Once again I declare to every man who has himself circumcised that he is bound to observe the entire law. You are separated from Christ. You who are trying to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we await the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. The Word of the Lord. Let your mercy come to me, O Lord. Let your mercy come to me, O Lord. Let your mercy come to me, O Lord your salvation according to your promise. Let your mercy come to me, O Lord. Take not the word of truth from my mouth, for in your ordinances is my hope. Let your mercy come to me, O Lord. And I will keep your law continually, forever and ever. Let your mercy come to me, O Lord. I will walk at liberty because I see your precepts. Let your mercy come to me, O Lord. And I will delight in your commands, which I love. Let your mercy come to me, O Lord. And I will lift up my hands to your commands and meditate on your statutes. Let your mercy come to me, O Lord. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Word of God is living and effective, able to discern reflections and thoughts of the heart. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. After Jesus had spoken, a Pharisee invited him to dine at his home. 
he entered and reclined at table to eat. The Pharisee was amazed to see that he did not observe the prescribed washing before the meal. The Lord said to him, O you Pharisees, although you cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish, inside you are filled with plunder and evil. You fools, did not the maker of the outside also make the inside? But as to what is within, give alms, and behold, everything will be clean for you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Today's first reading from St. Paul's letter to the Galatians, we hear St. Paul tell us, For freedom Christ set us free. So stand firm and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Freedom is very much a cherished concept in our society and culture. Everybody loves the idea of freedom and everybody wants to be free. But unfortunately in our society, freedom has kind of devolved into something much less than what authentic human freedom is intended to be. We tend to look at freedom as being, being able to do whatever it is I want to do detached from any notion of truth or any notion of moral good. And so the more choices I have, the more options I have of what I can do, the more free I am. And to a certain degree there is something to that. Freedom certainly is rooted in the capacity of our free will to be able to choose between different things. But when Jesus says for freedom, or when Paul says for freedom Christ set us free, he's really saying in the first place freedom means to be free from things that prevent you from accomplishing the goal or objective that you're supposed to be about and that authentic freedom is really going to be the ability or capacity to achieve your goal or objective. So take for example something like playing the piano. To be able to play the piano well there are 88 keys on that keyboard. If freedom was just being able to do whatever you want to do then that would be the person who sits at the piano and says there's 88 keys I'm free I can choose to hit any one of those 88 keys however I like, whenever I like. But then we can ask the question, is that really playing music or making music? Sounds like it'd be a lot more like making noise or making a racket. See, freedom divorced from the truth of what playing the piano is all about is really not freedom at all. You're just going to be a noise or a racket maker. Whereas to play the piano well, what do you need? Well, you need to know something about music. You need to know in order to play a piece, how do I strike those keys in the right order, in the right timing, in order to play the music before me or in order to make a beautiful sound and melody. So in other words, you could say to be free for playing beautiful music on the piano, you need to be free from ignorance of what music is of what the piano is as an instrument. You need to be free from error and bad habit in your technique of striking the chords. And If you have that, then you're free for making music. And one can imagine the more you practice, the more you are able to play different kinds of songs and pieces. And the one who's truly free to play the piano is the one who could sit down and could literally play anything under the sun because they're so expert and so proficient that no peace is beyond their reach and they can play just about anything. And that's really what true freedom is. See, our cultural notion of freedom is basically the banger who sits at the piano and hits 88 keys in any way they want and they say, look at how free I am and isn't this beautiful music that I'm playing. 
And we said, no, you're actually making a racket and a noise. It's hard on the ears. We said, no, but I'm free. See, the freedom that Jesus came to free us from is the freedom from slavery to sin, the freedom from ignorance about what our life is all about. Because if you don't know the objective and purpose of what your life is or what your goal is, which for us we really believe and know that it's communion with the Most Holy Trinity and the love of perfect love, or in a life of perfect love and truth, well, what good is your capacity to choose between things if you have no idea which choice is going to lead you toward your proper end and goal in life? It would be kind of pointless. See, freedom divorced from truth becomes tyranny. That's why Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the one who sets us free, and the truth will set you free. Because if you know Jesus, you know what your life is supposed to be about. You know who God is. You know who you are in relationship with God. And in knowing who Jesus is, we also then know the pathway that we must walk in order to achieve our goal in life, which is holiness, which is communion with God. And this is really, for we human beings, what authentic freedom is all about. How can we achieve fulfillment and happiness in life? Well, you have to start by knowing the truth of who you are as a creation, what your purpose and goal in life is. And once you know that, then you can apply your free will to making decisions consonant with that end in life that is going to lead you toward happiness. In today's Gospel, we hear Jesus pointing out that the Pharisees are oftentimes seemingly more concerned about the external things rather than the interior life. And, you know, freedom very much is a growth in self-discipline and mastery that happens within us. You know, I suppose in many ways, if you think back to our piano player, maybe an external formality of playing a piano would be that as you approach the piano, you give a little bow to the crowd, and then when you leave, you give a little bow to the crowd, where you say, well, that's all nice and that's fine and dandy, but if you can't play the piano, we don't really care that much about your bow before you sit down and after you get up again. It's an external, but it's not the point of playing the piano. You have to be able to play it well. And really, holiness, our growth in virtue, our growth in freedom, those are all interior dimensions that you can't necessarily see from the outside. You can see manifestations of it by the virtuous acts that you're able to perform, by the goodness and the joy that you have in your life because you're living in a way that's consonant with your final end in life. But substantially, freedom is something that we can grow in interiorly. As we grow in virtue, as we grow in our pursuit of the good and our capacity and ability to do the good. Finally, at the end of today's Gospel, Jesus points out the importance of giving alms. And I suppose even here we could say, when we are freed from attachment to material possessions, freed from clinging to things of this world, well, we're free for being generous and being able to share what we have been given, knowing that all of it is really gifts that God has given to us to begin with. And so, my brothers and sisters, as we go forward today, let us give thanks to God that for freedom, Christ Jesus has set us free. Let us be thankful that God has revealed to us the truth of our existence, the truth of our purpose in life, and has given us the capacity and our free will to be able to make decisions that lead us toward our eternal home of a life of communion and love with the Most Holy Trinity. And let us pray that we would never abuse that freedom,
that we would always grow in it and grow in virtue. Amen. Trusting in our Father's love and mercy, let us bring our petitions before him. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, and for all bishops, for their physical and spiritual needs. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for government leaders, that they would be inspired to enact just laws that protect and safeguard the dignity of human life at every phase, and laws which are consonant with the natural law. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick and the suffering, that they would be given consolation in their faith, and the courage and perseverance to unite their sufferings with Christ on the cross. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our family, friends, benefactors, for all those who have asked for our prayers, for those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio Media, and for those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for an increase in vocations to the sacred priesthood and religious life. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our continued interior growth and freedom to truly pursue the good that Jesus has laid before us and to disciple him. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for those intentions that we hold in our heart, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Merciful Father, we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen. Glorious things of thee are spoken, Zion, city of our God. He whose word cannot be broken formed thee for his own abode. On the rock of ages founded, what can shake thy sure repose? With salvation's walls surrounded, thou mayest smile at all thy foes. See the streams of living waters springing from eternal love. Well, supply thy sons and daughters, and all fear of want remove. Who can faint while such a river ever flows thy thirst assuage? Grace which, like the Lord, the giver, never fails from age to age. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. <clears throat> may the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Accept this sacrifice from your people, we pray, O Lord, and make what is offered for your glory in honor of blessed John the 23rd, a means to our eternal salvation through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit, lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just. 
our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through who Christ our Lord. For as on the festival of St. John the 23rd, you bid your church rejoice, so too you strengthen her by the example of his holy life. Teach her by his words of preaching and keep her safe in answer to his prayers. And so with a company of angels and saints we sing the hymn of your praise as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncelia Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. mystery of faith. When we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by his Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope, and Michael our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, 
All glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Preceptis salutaribis moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctifice tuhur nomen tuhum, adveniat regnum tuhum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum coditianum, da nobis odie, et imite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amas, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen.
Father, we thank Thee who hast planted Thy holy name within our hearts. Knowledge and faith and life immortal, Jesus, Thy Son, to us imparts. Thou, Lord, didst make all for Thy pleasure, didst give man food for all his days, giving in Christ the bread eternal, Thine is the power, be thine the praise. Watch o'er thy church, O Lord, in mercy. Save it from evil, guard it still. Perfected in thy love, united, cleansed and conformed unto thy will. As grain once scattered on the hillsides Was in this broken bread made one So from all lands thy church be gathered Into thy kingdom by thy Son Let us pray May the sacrament we have received, O Lord our God, stir up in us that fire of charity with which blessed John the Twenty-Third burned ardently as he gave himself unceasingly for your church through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. Now thank we all our God with heart and hands and voices who wondrous things hath done in whom his world rejoices who from our mother's arms hath blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love, and still is ours today. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. 
from every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Howdy, my name is Adrian 